0: This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Okay, We're now going to have our scripture reading. So it would be great if you could uh, take out your Bibles or your handphones or your handheld devices and turn to the book of Ruth, which is just after the book of Judges. And this is going to be important for the passage. So uh, let's turn to the book of Ruth chapter 4, and it would be great if you could follow as I read God's word to us. So let's uh, go to Ruth chapter 4, everybody. Got it? Okay, great. You could follow with me. Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you will also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself, I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimenek, Kilion and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite Marlon's widow as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses, may the Lord Make the woman who is coming to your home, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Eprateth and be famous in Bethlehem, to the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, Jesse, the father of David. Okay, so um, we're now going to look at today's passage. I invite you all to go to God with me together and ask God to help us to really understand His Word. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we thank you so much for the book of Ruth. We thank you so much for its powerful message to us, which comes to us. In this wonderful narrative the history of Ruth and Naomi or Boaz and how you have worked through their lives and as we come to Ruth chapter 4 today we pray that you may help us uh, to truly uh, understand who you are and what you've done not just for Ruth and Naomi through Boaz but also to us as we live here in Singapore today we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ amen Okay, when is the last time that you felt really grateful to God? Okay, when is the last time when you felt really thankful to God? You know, when things are going really well, or, you know, something has really happened, and, and you just spontaneously feel this great sense of thankfulness to God. I remember many years ago, I was at a beach, I think it was in the Philippines, in Boracay, with my family. It seemed like a perfect day, the sun was shining, the beach was really white. Water was clear, and there I was in my family, and we were just enjoying each other's company. I just felt really thankful to God. You know, I was giving thanks to God that He allowed this moment to happen. Do You ever remember things like that in your own life where, you know, you spontaneously felt this thankfulness and gratefulness towards God, where you just want to thank God and praise God for what He has done for you? I think as we come to today's passage in the book of Ruth chapter 4, it captures that mood right? The the mood of chapter 4 really is one of thankfulness, of of praising God, of celebration of God. And that's like the tone and mood and the colour of Ruth, especially as we come to Ruth chapter 4. Now we began the story of Ruth with two people, uh, Naomi and Ruth, who come back from Moab to Bethlehem in chapter 1, right? To back to God, back to God's people and God's place. And when they come back, they are really low, right? Things are very, very low for them. For Naomi, she's very bitter because she's empty. Because for her, she's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. She's got no family line, no family name, no family dynasty. She has no family. For Ruth, she's coming back, but she's coming back as a stranger to the land. She's coming back as someone who's truly an outsider. And so in some ways, they are like in prison. They're kind of like trapped in this situation in which they really have very little control over and they need someone outside of their situation to come to help them out of this prison, right? to lift them out of this prison. And so what we see so far in Ruth chapter 2 and 3 is we see God coming from outside of the situation acting for them on behalf of them. We see in Ruth chapter 2, he sends Boaz, the Redeemer, who out of his great generosity provides them food. He allows Ruth to to glean or to take the leftover food from his fields. In Ruth chapter 3, we see that uh, Boaz responds favorably to Naomi's crazy, risky plan to get Ruth to have a home, right, and be married to him. But last week, we saw right at the very end of chapter 3, a spanner in the works, right? A hiccup, a complication. Where we see that there is this anonymous, closer relative who has the rights, in, in a sense, to redeem and to marry Ruth. Right? And this is where we find ourselves today as we begin Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. Right? What happens now? Will, 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 will Ruth marry Boaz, right? Right, this great love story in a sense. Or will Ruth marry this anonymous person whom we know nothing about? Is he a good man? Is he a bad man? We don't know. So it begins in Ruth chapter 4 verse 1. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there, just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Now, how are we to understand this, right? I mean, in those days, they didn't have their uh, mobile phones, so it's not as if he could have called them up or WhatsApp them and said, you know, I'd really like to catch up with you. No point for him to be chasing after this guy in the narrow hallways and the corridors of their streets. The place where you go and find people and to meet people is at the town gate because, you know, that's where people go back and forth. And this man, this anonymous guardian redeemer, hopefully he's not a holiday, Right? doing his revenge traveling, right? So Boaz goes there and looks for this guy. If only he had his mobile phone, he could have been playing his handphone games while he waited, right? But he doesn't need to because just at that moment as he's looking for this guy, this anonymous guardian redeemer just happens to be there. And he happens to have enough time and you know, generosity to sit down with Boaz at the gate. I think if you look at the NRSV translation, it actually captures that tone of, uh, of this very coincidental meeting, right? No sooner had Boaz gone up to the gate and sat down than this other next King kin guy happens to go past. Now, how are we then to understand what's happening here? I think how we're supposed to really understand it is that it is God who's working to create the situation, right? These coincidences are not coincidences, Boaz going to the gate, bumping this guy, this guy having enough time to sit down and meet up with him, are not coincidences, but it's all part of God's plan. Now I want us to notice that as we look at even this first few verses, there's a word that keeps being repeated. This word, redeem, right? It's used four times in the first four verses that we look at here. It's used seven times in the rest of the chapter. So this is something that obviously the writer of Ruth really wants us to pay attention to. This idea of redemption. And so, what is happening here, my friends, is that uh, God, right, is redeeming uh, Ruth and Naomi. The idea of redeeming in the Bible is always the idea of setting people free from bondage or slavery, from, you know, you, pawn, you, know, you go to the pawn shop and you sell something, you redeem it, you, you buy out of somebody else's possession. And so what we see in this very, very early stage of chapter 4 is God is working behind the scenes through times and people and places to redeem Ruth and Naomi and here we see the beginnings of it because Boaz goes and meets this person straight away now as we then come to the story the tension really was about Boaz and this anonymous person who is going to marry Ruth but as we come to the first part of this section, we see that Boaz doesn't bring up the topic of marriage straight away. Right? He brings up the topic of the property, the land. He invites 10 elders to come to sit down with him. The setting is a legal setting. It's a legal transaction that's happening here. He says to the anonymous guardian redeemer, he said, you know, remember that that relative of ours, Eliminic, the guy that migrated to Moab? Remember the guy, he died there well you know, his widow Naomi has come back back to Bethlehem. She's come back to Bethlehem, and she has to sell his, her property, sell his property, actually. Now, according to God's law, you have first right to redeem this property, right? Because now that Elimech has died, his land is no longer his. Naomi is poor. You have the responsibility to come and to redeem what they have sold, right? It cannot fall outside of the family. So what then now will this anonymous relative do, right? Will he choose to redeem this land and we know in turn Mary Ruth? Well, to our great disappointment, right? He says, I will redeem it. No, Oh no, what a letdown, right? Because all this time, in Ruth chapter 2 and 3 we were hoping in the back of our hearts that, that Ruth will marry Boaz but this guy instead steps into the picture and he says I will redeem it. But we notice then that actually oh sorry, but why, why does he want to marry uh, sorry, why does he want to redeem the property? The way that we're meant to see it really is that it's a logical thing for him to redeem the property. The property only comes with one person, right? Uh, This older lady, Naomi. It's a good deal for him. If you were in his shoes, you would also choose to redeem the property. You get this property, all you have to do is look after this old lady, Naomi. It's a net profit situation for you. It's a net gain situation for you. You get property, you just feed this one old lady, she'll probably die. The property becomes part of your estate for the rest of your life life and for the future so this is actually a good deal it's a very good deal very logical thing for him to do but here we see how shrewd and what a clever negotiator Boaz is right then Boaz said on the day you buy the land from Naomi you also acquire Ruth the Moabite the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property now this is like a sting in the tail okay why is it a sting in the tail? Why is this a good and shrewd negotiating tactic? Initially, this sounds like a good deal, right? He redeems the land, he only has to look after one old person, which is now me. But if the land comes also with Ruth, who's a much younger person, then there's a great possibility then that in order for him. To fulfill his duties, to continue the name of his brother or his relative Eliminate. she will continue to have many, many children, right? Obviously, she's not old like Naomi. She will have children. And because these children are not really his children, they are like Eliminec's children, then the land that he actually redeemed and paid good money for, will actually go to Ruth's children, to Naomi's grandchildren at the end so this is no longer a good deal but actually this is a bad deal for him right? because now he gets the property but he has to look after Naomi he has to look after Ruth he has to look after Ruth's children and in the end of the day he no longer even keeps the land that he paid for in the beginning so this is the sting in the tail and so therefore the man says I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate and so he changes his mind Now, as we look at this man, how are we to understand this anonymous man? Is he a bad guy? Is he a bad man? Actually, if you and I were in his shoes as well, this would be a very normal reaction. Because generally, even for relatives, we don't really want to endanger our own financial security. We don't want to endanger our own financial situation. I remember many years ago, um, uh, one of my pastor friends was telling me the story about how he grew up fairly prosperous, but somehow his father lost his business and he was very bitter because his he came from a big family and now the relatives came to help him. And so in this situation, this is the same thing, right? This is what this man is doing. He 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 has a ability to help eliminate eliminate his widow, eliminate his Uh, children's widow, but he doesn't want to endanger his own financial status. He doesn't want to endanger his own estate. So, as a result, he says, I cannot redeem. I will not redeem. But thank God, because God recognizes that because this man will not do it because it's a costly and sacrificial redemption for him, then God sends Boaz, who is willing to redeem Redeem the land from Naomi. Redeem Ruth and marry Ruth. Now, this then is like the high point of the the whole story, right? It's almost like we've come to the point where it's like you may kiss the bride moment in the wedding, right? You know, where everybody's happy, everybody's celebrating, we all stand up and clap and welcome Mr. and Mrs. whatever. And so that's what we see here in this passage, right? It's like, finally, the, the narrative arc of the book of Ruth Reaches its high points. Yes, Naomi and Ruth finally get married. But actually, there is so much more to the book of Ruth, as we see, right? Because the elders and all the people of the gate no longer just witness the marriage, but they say some things which are really, really important, really, really significant. They say, may the Lord make the woman who is coming into home like Rachel and Leah who together built up the family of Israel through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman may your family be like that of Perez whom Tamar bore to Judah so what is happening here, What, what are they saying, what blessings or what hopes do they have for Ruth who are these people, Rachel and Leah and Tamar that they are so significant well Rachel and Leah married Jacob. Jacob was later to become Israel. Okay? So through Rachel and Leah, their children are the 12 tribes in a sense of Israel. They, they, are the, they are like the offspring who inherit the land. And so fundamentally, that's exactly what the passage says, right? They are like the founding mothers of Israel. They are the founding mothers of the great nation of God's people. So these people go on to inherit the land, the promised land. Tamar was also a foreigner, just like Ruth. But her husband died and so, in a very sordid thing, actually, it's very interesting, When I was trying to Google uh, Tamar, right? Actually, there are no children's church stories on Tamar. So, okay, you, you know, that's why how sordid it is, right? So Tamar has a redeemer, an uh, unwilling redeemer in her father-in-law, Judah. But that's not what the focus is on. The focus is on their child that issues from that, I guess, very sordid union in Perez. If you actually look at the history of Judah, Judah is one of the significant and most major clans, right, or the tribes of Israel. You see that through Perez, there was a Perizzite clan, but the descendants of Perizzite also were Hezron, who had the Hezronite clan. And then through Perez again was the Hamulite clan. And so out of this union between Tamar, the foreigner, through this redeemer, we have offspring who form three-fifths of the clan of Judah, the most significant of all the tribes of Israel. And so the wishes of these uh, people at the gate is that Ruth will become... Like that, like Rachel and Leah and Tamar, she will be like a founding mother of God's people. Now, this in many ways shows how God is redeeming Ruth out of her situation, right? She's this foreigner, she's an outsider, but but the wishes of these people are saying she's not only now part of God's people, She's like the founding mother. They want her to be like the founding mother of God's people, like Rachel and Leah and Tamar. Now, there's one problem, right? If you remember back to Ruth chapter 1, we actually saw that Ruth had been married for 10 years to Marlon, but they didn't have children. So, either the problem is with Marlon or the problem is with Ruth. One of them is barren, or maybe both are barren, both are infertile. But how can the wishes of the people that she have children, like Rachel and Leah and, uh, and Tamar, how can they come about? So if you think about the redeeming work of God, working through people, times, and places, as we've seen in the book of Ruth, so far God has been doing the easy work, right? The redemption business has been an easy work for him. You know, God has been bringing food in chapter 2. Okay, that's okay marriage in chapter 3, okay, that's okay too. But here we actually see that God is doing a redeeming work. But it really needs a miracle, right? It really needs a miracle to redeem her out of her barrenness, out of her infertility, out of her inability to conceive. And that's why we see in verse 13, we see God, the Lord God mentioned. This is only the second time in the whole book of Ruth that God is said to have be doing something actively in the picture. And I think it's because it's just so important that we need to know that God is the one that's doing this. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. And so we see here that God is the one who controls all things, right? All people, all events. And... It is only through him acting in this situation that Boaz and Ruth are able to have this child. And so what we see here is God is in the redemption business. He's in the business of redemption. And we see how he redeems Ruth out of her situation and to truly bring her home and truly bring her to to become like Rachel and Leah and Tamar among God's people. She is truly now among God's people and belongs to God's people. And not just belongs to God's people, she is pivotal, like a founding mother among God's people. What happens then to Naomi? What about her and her prison bondage? Oops, what have I done? Okay. So, the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who... This day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Now I want us to notice something very important. Who was the guardian redeemer for Ruth? It was Boaz, right? Boaz was the guardian redeemer of Ruth. God was working through Boaz to redeem Ruth. But in verse 14, the guardian redeemer of Naomi is not Boaz, it is the boy, it is the son that Ruth gives birth to. It is Obed. Right. It is the one that Ruth has given him birth. Because the problem for Naomi was emptiness. No husband, no children, no sons, no family, no family line, no family dynasty, no family name. With the birth of this son, he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Now what Ruth, sorry, what the, the book of Ruth is saying is, is not just physical, right? It's not as if this grandson is going to feed, help feed her in her old age or help bring her for walks or something. To renew her life is to give her fresh hope, right? Fresh reason for life, fresh meaning for life because now she can live life in fullness because she knows that the line of Luminette continues. The property will go back to her family. She will continue the family name. He will sustain her as she grows old. And so we see this wonderful picture that is not just Ruth, who is redeemed by God, brought out of imprisonment, brought out of slavery and bondage to a terrible situation, but Naomi herself as well is brought out out of her bondage and imprisonment to emptiness. Because now she has this child, Obed, who will continue the line. But I want us to notice something. The passage doesn't end with Naomi or Ruth. The passage doesn't end with Naomi or Ruth. You can learn a lot from the first words of a book and the last words of a book. I mean, if you ever don't want to read the whole book, just read the first words and the last words. Lah. Okay. So here are the last words of the book of Ruth and they don't sound like a romance story, right? It's like, okay, Naomi took the child, they named the Obed, he's the father of Jesse, the father of David, and then there's a family tree of Perez, and again, Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. Now this David is King David, okay, King David. Now, this is uh, the first words and the last words of what is probably known as the greatest love story in English literature, right? But maybe not many people read it. You know, have you all read Pride and Prejudice? Okay, so you can tell by the first words and the last words of Pride and Prejudice it's a romance, it's a love story, right? It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of good fortune must be in want of a wife. Darcy, I know all the women like Darcy, right? Darcy, as well as Elizabeth, really loved them. They were both ever sensible to the warmest gratitude towards the persons who, by bringing her into Derbyshire, had the means of uniting them. So, you know, you read the first words and the last words, it's all about love, romance, marriage. In the book of Ruth, the first words and the last words of Ruth are not about romance, right? In the time of Judges, there was a famine, and so there was this man went to Bethlehem and Joab. Okay, fine. And the last words is about this guy, David. So what's really happening in the book of Ruth, it's not really a love story. It's, it's bigger than a love story, right? It breaks the boundaries of this love story. Now, the time of Judges is a time of this terrible cycle of sin and wickedness and idolatry. And then God's judgment, and then God's people crying out to God, and then God sending a judge. And then the cycle begins again, right? This terrible spiral of sin and wickedness and idolatry then leading to judgment, and then a judge, and then again, peace. And so in many ways, the time of Judges is like a prison, right? A prison of this endless cycle of God's people unable to break free of rebellion and sin and idolatry. In many ways, it was like a a dark, dark time, right? But here we see that in this small story of Ruth marrying Boaz, we'd actually see that it ends with this king, this king, David. Now, why is that? Why is that important? If you turn to your Bibles, uh, you can actually see that at the time of Judges, and that's why I, I made a point of saying when you... Look at Ruth, right? Ruth just comes just after the book of Judges. And the book of Judges, the last verses says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everybody did as they saw fit. And so what God is really doing is that within the time of Judges, there is this seemingly irrelevant story of Boaz and Ruth and Naomi. But within this time already, God is seeking to bring a king into the land, a king, so that people will no longer do as they see fit. And so the time of Judges is like, metaphorically seen like this. What what do you see? Nothing, right? It's, It's darkness. It's a time of darkness, a time of sin, a time of wickedness. But within this dark time of sin and wickedness is the book of Ruth. That's when Ruth is set, right, in the time of Judges. And the book of Ruth is really about redemption. It's not just about redeeming, roof out of her her foreigners or her other outsider status it's not just about redeeming Naomi out of her emptiness but it's about redeeming God's people out of their cycle of sin and wickedness and judgment but it doesn't end with King David right because in the New Testament it actually looks forward to a greater king Jesus Christ, the eternal King. He is the one who will do the ultimate act of redemption. And so in the book of Matthew, as well as the Gospel of Luke, it traces the genealogy of Jesus back to David and back to Ruth and back to Boaz. And so we see it here right in the first verses of Matthew. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then in verse 4, verse 5 it says, And Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rohab. And Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed the father of Jesse. And Jesse the father of David the king. See, we you now this is the beauty of the book of Ruth, right? It's just four small chapters. But it's not just a small picture of Ruth and Naomi and David or, or, and, and Boaz but it involves a much bigger picture of God's people, right? Israel and King David. But it deals with the biggest picture of all things, which is universal sin, right? Universal sin. See, in many ways, what we're meant to see here is Ruth together with Boaz do not just lead to King David, but lead all the way down to King David. Jesus. And praise God for that, right? Because that's why we read Ruth today. Because if we don't read Ruth today, we will never see how God acts through time and people and places in history. So here what we see is, we see that ultimately this work of redemption must end in Jesus Christ. Because the problem of sin is not just a problem of judges, a problem of the time of kings but it's a problem of our time and all times so if you think of Naomi and Ruth being in a sense in the prison that requires redemption to set them free well there's a universal problem where we are all in a sense imprisoned with this cycle of sin wickedness and judgment and we need a redeemer too and praise God because through his control, sovereign control of time, people, and places. He is the one who sets us free. So in our responsive reading today, we read 1 Peter chapter 1, right? And look at what it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God, Peter says. You notice what it says in verse 20? Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. God knew that Jesus would redeem us from our sins before there was the world, right? Before there was a, any living creature in this world. How much more, you know, is it then praiseworthy of God that He then would control all things to bring Ruth and Boaz together and then lead to Boaz and then King David and ourselves? And again, we are not redeemed by silver and gold. But we were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Remember the anonymous guardian redeemer, the closer relative? For him, redemption was too costly, right? Too sacrificial. He didn't want to sacrifice his family estate. But Jesus didn't just sacrifice silver or gold, but rather, he sacrificed his very life on the cross for us. And so what we see here is this act of redemption in Ruth. It's just a minor small picture of the huge picture that we see in this passage. In the Bible itself, that God, through his control of all things, sends us this costly sacrificial redemption through Jesus. But I remember when I was in theological college, I preached a sermon on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And uh, the feedback was that my focus was too much on the physical death of Jesus, on the suffering of Jesus on the cross, and not on Jesus actually bearing God's judgment for us. And I think that's really true, right? Because in the act of redemption, Jesus redeems us not just by suffering physically on the cross, the terrible pain of crucifixion, but he suffers God's judgment on him For all of our sins Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by being made a curse for us so how costly was the redemption of Jesus for us Jesus was cursed for us that's how much Jesus paid for us to redeem us so how should we respond then as we come to the end of Ruth well In the book of Ruth, the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. Same for us, isn't it? We should praise God as well, because this day, God has not left us without a guardian redeemer. He has sent us Jesus Christ. He has sent us Jesus to redeem us from a much greater prison than Naomi and Ruth imprisoned in our sin, our wickedness, our idolatry, the judgment that we all are facing. God has not left us without a guardian redeemer. Praise be to the Lord. In conclusion, many years ago, uh, when I was a student in Australia, I was on a year-end hiking trip. And what this means is, uh, it's one week where a group of us, we basically hike from camp to camp, So basically we carry our stuff with us and we, we hike like in the bushland in Australia. And we got to get from one place to the other. We take one day to get there, like, theoretically. So one morning we set off and it had been raining the night before. So in order to get to the next campsite, we had to traverse uh, this hill. Okay? But the ground was quite wet and I was in the group behind, there was a group in front. And so in retrospect, uh, this is not what you should never do if the ground is wet and there's a hill you're walking on, you should always like walk in one direction, but the group in front of us was traversing back and forth, you know, back and forth above us. And because it had been raining the night before, they started like a mini avalanche on us, la, and the group behind. So the avalanche came, and we were kind of like all pressed against the thing to avoid all this stuff falling of us. But unfortunately, I was a bit unlucky, and this rock banged straight on the top of my head, la, okay? And so I got knocked out. I was like, don't know what happened next minute. I'm like, oh, what happened? And they said, oh, you got knocked out. And so I was feeling a bit groggy anyway, so the other people helped me to top the hill. And so at the top of the hill, uh, the the teachers who were guiding the hike said, oh, you know, I think you you can't hike anymore. So they called for emergency uh, ambulance to come pick me up. And so we waited there for a little while. And then this, uh, I think there was this Australian army camp nearby. So this army ambulance, came to pick me up. Exactly like this. Okay? They put me on a stretcher. Put me in the army ambulance. And I went to stay in the Australian army camp for the night. Now, after I got rescued, I felt really, really thankful. You know? Here am I, in the army camp. I'm being looked after. Actually, the next night, there's a huge thunderstorm as well. So I'm like, sitting in this comfortable tent, eating scrambled eggs. And all my friends are out in the field, right? But, I wonder whether we feel the same way because you know every day god has done a much greater work of redemption and rescuing for us right you know every day we live every day we breathe we are already redeemed in jesus christ so i hope that today's passage in Ruth chapter 4 really shows us that god is in the redemption business and he has redeemed us he can you imagine he planned for our redemption before the creation of the world we are saved because of god's control and it's a costly redemption in Jesus Christ so I hope that all of us let's truly praise God in our hearts and be grateful and thankful for God's redemption in Jesus for us let's go to God in prayer dear father as we come before you today we truly ask and pray that as we study your word today in Roo four, we are in awe that you are able to control time and places and people from before creation, you knew that your Son, Jesus, would come into this world, and that in this, in this Son of yours, Jesus, you would, you would bring costly and sacrificial redemption for us. So, dear Father, we pray that as we read the book of Ruth, we see that the blessings of the crowd have indeed come true, that Ruth is, in a sense, our mother. She is the mother of your people, because through the son from her and Boaz, in this child Obed came King David, and through King David came Jesus, and through Jesus comes our redemption. And so dear Father, we we truly pray that that today will give us a, a fresh appreciation, that we may sing a new song of praise to you in our hearts. Give us a changed a change attitude of, of always giving thanks to you for what you've done. For we are not without a redeemer. Uh, and we have Jesus Christ. And we pray for all these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, we're going to have a short time of reflection and discussion. Um, the reflection and discussion question is only one question, which is up there. Uh, so perhaps you could just spend perhaps three minutes just talking to your neighbor about this question. and reflecting on what you've learned today. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg